You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier of Pro Football Weekly and the NFL 1000. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. We still got a ton to talk about. There's still lots of stuff uh, to cover coming out of the draft and undrafted free agency and trades. So it, we, let's get right to it. So coming up on today's show, we take a look at all of the Cowboys' day three selections uh, and give our thoughts on the players and how they might fit in. But before we do that, uh, we actually need to touch on a topic that we kind of covered um, in the last one. We were a little bit rushed um, on our podcast that came out on Monday. Um, We were talking about the Ryan Switzer trade uh, to Oakland, but we really never talked about the guy that the Cowboys received back in that trade. And that's defensive tackle Jihad Ward, a 2016 pick uh, by the Oakland Raiders. The Cowboys coached uh, Ward at the Senior Bowl. Tell us a little bit, Landon, about how he might fit in here in Dallas. Well, I mean, if just to kind of refresh everybody on on who this guy was, I mean, this was a, um, in a lot of ways, considered to be the 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 2017 drafts version of uh, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, you know, sure. the, the the kind of guy who just looks like an athletic freak. And, and, and the funny thing is that he actually did he end up testing all that fantastically. I don't even know that he no, ended not, up not really. He he, not really. he he but he on the field he looks like a, a phenom. Uh, just on tape at times, but he also didn't look like he was, you know, very well refined. The, the interesting thing here about this guy is that they got him into training, uh, not to training camp, into uh, the Senior Bowl. And if you remember, this was the year that the Cowboys were uh, running one of the teams at the Senior Bowl, and right away, everyone remarked about how good he was looking uh, while being coached by by Marinelli. And then Marinelli, it was the bag drills. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and the Marinelli, bag drills because his hands are so strong. Yeah, and Marinelli clearly loved the guy. And I, here, here's what, here's what my bottom line on this guy is: is that if anyone's going to get anything out of this guy, it's going to be Marinelli because he has the traits sure. you want for a you know one gapping three technique. He's explosive. He's strong. Um, you know, I, I think he can. You know, the athleticism, even if it's not there. Um, on the combine numbers specifically, he he is definitely definitely athletic enough to be playing that three technique uh, as a penetrator. So I I really liked the trade because I really felt like, you know, I didn't feel like Switzer was necessarily completely made redundant, but I also felt like his role was such that uh, you know getting some something of value for him you know would be uh, would be interesting, and I think you know when. Oakland called up to to request this trade. I think you know that was a piece that they were you know obviously willing to to move on because they I think they felt like they could get more out of uh, Jihad Ward uh, than than the Oakland did. And not only that, but I think that you know like I said, you know with Tavon Austin coming in, the 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 role for Switzer that you know they were penciling him in for even reduced further. They realized you know look this this is a this is an opportunity to kind of help you know cut down a little bit of our our wide receiver uh, depth chart that we're going to have to cut down anyways might as well get something for it and this is a guy that you know you plug in i mean he could be anywhere from your you know rotational defensive tackle to the starter 
Uh, well, maybe not the starter at, at – but he could be, I guess, the starter at one technique if they get him at that level. But I think at the very least you're getting a guy who, if you know Marinelli can get what he thinks he can get out of him, um, that he could be uh, giving you valuable snaps as a three technique and, and potentially as a one technique as well. The whole deal is we knew that the Cowboys were going to have to cut or trade or move at least probably three or four of the receivers on the depth chart. Uh, if Ward can come in and be a you know even a guy that makes the roster, uh, it, it, it makes sense as a trade. Sure. And as soon as they made as soon as they made the Tavon Austin move, you kind of knew the writing was on the wall for Switzer because, like we said in the last show, you, as soon as Switzer t- took that first jet sweep, sweep uh, in Dallas, you kind of knew that that's just not his role. Um, he's really a kick returner, punt returner who could function as a slot receiver. Tavon Austin does all the return abilities better. He's better out of the backfield. Uh, he's better if you give him carries, um, and Beasley's just a better receiver right now. So uh, as much as I like Switzer and I like what he could potentially be in the NFL, I think this move makes sense for Dallas. Um, let's go ahead and jump into the draft picks. So the Cowboys' first fourth-round pick that they had, pick 116, was defensive end Dorrance Armstrong, uh, a guy that the Cowboys nearly traded up for uh, in the third round. Um, Armstrong is not overly athletic. He ran a 4 8 7 Uh, 40-yard dash, but he was actually very productive in college. Uh, His sophomore season, he had 20 tackles for a loss um, and 10 sacks. And if you guys have been following me along on Twitter at all, you know that any guys that hit that 20 tackle for a loss uh, metric in the NFL are in college. Most of them ended up turning out in the NFL. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence was one of those guys, despite not having great testing numbers. Um, Physically, he actually looks a lot like Lawrence. Tell us a little bit what you saw when you watched uh, Dorrance Armstrong. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think, you know, you, you watch his tape and um, you, you, you're not exactly sure what you're seeing. You know, the, the thing about, you know, mid-round defensive ends in general is it's tough, right? Because, you know, you when you're – I guess we spent so long trying to find these, you know – uh, upper end echelon athletes, the the you know the the bendy type, you know Gumby rushers for so long uh, that we we have it in our mind what 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 they should look like you know at the top level, and I think it's hard to determine you know what the traits are if they're not a, a elite athletic uh, athletically what the traits are for a mid round uh, edge player. I know I specifically. Uh, really have struggled with this, and 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 have yeah. had issues with this. So I, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. But I think if if you go back and you watch um, his 2016 season, that's really you know where he really shined. He had 20 tackles for a loss, uh, 10 sacks, uh, three forced fumbles, and, and I think you know this is another example of a guy that I feel like you need to um, you need to to provide some context for. You know, because this is a guy who you know, he played at Kansas. This was by far the best player on their team. Like this, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, this was the fu- like every offensive coordinator who's playing Kansas, besides laughing the entire week at their defense, was just like, okay, let's just take care of that Armstrong kid, and everything else will be fine. You know, that's basically the, the only thing that they had to account for on their defense. So, uh, I, you know, look, the the bottom line with this guy is. He's got a, a a a body type that you'd love at a right defensive end. Um, he's not, you know, we talked about. It, he's not overly explosive, but where he definitely makes up for that is this guy has insanely long arms for a six three guy. I mean, he's got almost thirty five inch arms with ten inch hands and an eighty three inch wingspan. And I think that's insane. What you see is that he. 
uh, he is really good at you know making sure that he uses that those arms. He's he's good at getting low and using leverage. These are the kind of guys that uh, that you know when you don't have that elite athleticism, when you don't have the the four five or four six forty and 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 the you know sub one six ten yard split and the sub seven three cone. This is how you this is how you get around it is that you have to have length and you got to have know have knowledge of how to use that length. Uh, so I, I, I you know I think if you go back and you watch his 2016 tape, he shows you a lot of things to get excited about. Teams figured him out obviously in the off season and realized hey it's really not hard to to stop one guy on defense is it? So they basically were able to kind of shut him out. But if you watch him um I, I think you know this is a guy who could give you some snaps um in a as a uh, rotational defense right defensive end uh maybe a guy who could be like the you know the insurance insurance just in case neither tapper nor <laughs> randy gregory pans out at, at the very least and now at least you've got solid depth as a defensive end i even think maybe um, he might be able to do some some uh, Leo defensive end, stand up defensive end stuff, uh, a, a little bit. But but I, I like I like the pick uh, again. It's tough with these mid round defensive ends, these edge players. Uh, but I do think that he has the requisite length and the requisite uh, uh, knowledge of how to use that length to uh, to make it. Uh, you know, not not be a ten sack guy, but definitely give you solid rotational snaps. Uh, maybe uh, you know so, something similar or better uh, than. Uh, um, God, I completely forgot his name. Number ninety three that just left came from Oakland two years Maywa. ago. Maywa. Maywa. Yes, I think it may be maybe an upgrade as a little bit better. Uh, you know, a little bit profiles is a little bit more long right defensive end than Mayoa. All right, I want to add a little bit more context to this because it, this is important. Um, when he was 19 years old, he recorded 20 sac- yeah. or 20 tackles for a loss. Good point. That's really impressive. We don't see very many young guys be that pro- uh, productive, especially on really bad defenses that were having to stop the run all the time. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, we also talked about his athleticism. Now, if you just look at the 40 yard dash, uh, 487, it's not impressive. Um, but what I've actually found in some of the, the studies and research that I've done is that it doesn't matter too much as long as you have a baseline of athleticism. And if you look at his three comb, 712, not great, but in the 68th percentile. Yeah, it's his good. His broad jump of 118 in the 68th percentile. 20-yard shuttle, 423 in the 87th percentile. So I think it's fair to say he's at least an average athlete. Um, and with him still being just 20 years old, um, with his freakishly long arms, 83-inch wingspan, uh, I, I, I see reasons to be optimistic about him. I would love to see the Cowboys kind of redshirt him for a year, uh, you know, maybe just keep him active on game days, maybe have him a couple snaps every every once in a while, and then maybe in year two or three he becomes a solid rotational defensive lineman. Uh, when I watched his film, I honestly didn't think there's a big difference between him and Taco Charlton, and that's not a, a diss for Armstrong. That just kind of shows you that I think in other other classes he might have been a uh, you know a top seventy five pick. So they're, they win um, similarly. They're both you know they're both going to win in the NFL by being technicians, and that's why absolutely. that's why you can get away with having average athleticism is because you're not winning with your athleticism. You're winning with your know how. And the same thing can be said for Demarcus Lawrence coming out of Boise State, and and that's why I'm I'm optimistic because it, it, very similar players coming out of college. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Cowboys' second fourth round pick which was tight end Dalton Schultz from Stanford. Um, this was one that 
I, I don't want to be classified as hating this pick because it's it's a fourth round pick where you're picking 137. But uh, I, I, I kind of believe Schultz is a little bit more of a um, long-term project than what people believe. I know you have a little bit different thoughts, and I'll let you talk on this in a second. But um, I was actually watching some of his film today, um, and I think he's a good blocker, but I think he lacks a little bit of functional strength. Uh, defensive ends and linebackers can toss him around a little bit. Um, he's better in space when he can kind of shield block. Um, he doesn't have a lot of a receiving ability. Never had a game over 50 yards receiving uh, in his collegiate career. Kind of a bad athlete. Um, but I think you can develop him into that Jeff Swain, James Hanna type of player. And for that, this pick makes sense for the Cowboys. So give us your thoughts on Dalton Schultz. Well, yeah, I mean, I I've, I think he's not a project because I think he's exactly the kind of guy, the rare kind of tight end that you can plug in and play immediately because he can block in the NFL. And and look, I you know, I, we talked about this and you know what I'm going to say here. Uh, you know, functional strength to me is overrated when given when speaking about tight end blocking because essentially all the tight ends do in the blocking game nowadays is shield off. So, you know, and, and when you're talking about the, the, you know, the zone run game, like I, he's got enough strength to you know, do a backside cutoff. I think, you know, he's got enough uh, strength to shield off a guy long enough for the running back to get pie. And, 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 and I think where we, you, you don't give him enough credit is, is, and I, and I completely agree with, you know, he can get stronger, but the, you know, that's part of what he's going to do when he gets here. But the thing that really makes him stand out is that he has a combination of the requisite athleticism. And, and I, I don't agree that he's uh, below average. I think he's an average athlete. I think he's, you know, an average NFL tight end athlete. Um, but I think where he excels is that he knows what he's doing. He knows how to execute a variety of different blocks from a variety of different formations, whether that be as an H back, as an uh, inline. Um, you know, you've seen him make arc blocks. You've seen him make uh, backside cutoff blocks. You've seen him get to the second level. You've seen him single uh, single up in pass protection against defensive ends. I, I mean, I saw that regularly. You know, you see him as the hinge block on the backside of a, of an inside zone. You know, like where he's taking on a defensive end or at least shielding off a defensive end from getting in the backfield. So, I think this guy has the technique. He has incredible like knowledge and ability to sense the angles. He understands what the play very well, and he knows how to adjust his body to get in the way uh, uh, in a way that's really, I think unique for a tight end especially nowadays and he gets you know he, his ability to get where he needs to and understand where he needs to uh you know block and where he needs to be in the in front of the defender is 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 kind of special as far as a blocker so i i totally agree with you as a receiver he is not very developed there but i also think that that has a lot to do with where he was and the situation yeah. he was in stanford is tight end you you know, I mean, to a lot in a lot of ways, they've had a ton of success these last few years with receiving tight ends, and because of that, they've had a huge. You know, they have a crop of these guys that come in, and the guys that were younger with him are, you know, probably going to be, you know, top one hundred picks in the NFL. Yeah, when, top fifty picks. Both of those guys are really, really exactly. good. exactly. So the, the point is, is that. You know, they they were making a decision based on what their team needs were. They have these guys who are elite talent as receivers in in, in the tight end. They're playing those guys. So, of course, you know, our guy wasn't going to get as many touches there. So I think there's some development there. I don't think this is a guy that is going to necessarily be – your uh, like a tight end one in the sense that you know of of you know, Witten or Zach Ertz or anything, but I think that this is a guy that you can 
immediately get out there and uh, rely, uh, rely on to get some blocks, to do some blocking things, to you know function as a tight end one as long as the pass game isn't going through there. And then also just, you know, being the outlet in a being an unexpected outlet in the past game, he can do that. I just don't think that if if it's third down and five, you know, you're not running the option route to him like you were to win. All right, moving on to the Cowboys' fifth round pick, which was quarterback Mike White from Western Kentucky. Um, I know the Cowboys talked a little bit pre-draft about getting another developmental quarterback, and they got a good one in Mike White. There's really no reason that he should have been available. Uh, this late, but um, I, I watched White uh, a couple days leading up to the draft because I had someone tell me that the Cowboys were interested, and I came away really impressed. The only big weakness I had for Mike White is that he's just a, a very limited athlete in the pocket. So uh, at times when the play breaks down and he needs to escape, he really doesn't have the athleticism to make guys miss, and it sometimes re- uh, leads to sacks that you know you probably shouldn't take in the NFL. So that was my only big concern about him. I loved his accuracy. I loved uh, how he gets through different progressions. Uh, I showed a clip on Twitter where he got through about four progressions about as quick as I've ever seen a college quarterback do it. Um, he's, he's got a good enough arm. Uh, I like his size at 6'4 and a half and 224. Um, he seems like he has instincts. He knows uh, when to get rid of the ball. He, he kind of has a knack for making the right play. I think this is a perfect guy to stash as your QB3. Um, maybe he doesn't have the upside to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I think he can develop into a really, really good backup. Um, and we know quarterbacks are the one position where if they show that they can play at all in the preseason or in the regular season, their value goes way up. So I love this pick in the fifth round uh, of Mike White. Tell us what you think, Landon. Yeah, I think what you know what they've come to uh, understand, and I, I can't really speak to the player too much because I haven't watched him very much, but I could speak to the situation, and then I feel like what they've what they've found now is you've got Dak, you've got uh, Cooper, you feel like you've got a grip on on uh, developing quarterbacks. Uh, or at least uh, a grip on 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 what you want in your quarterback and, and what to get. So I think they're they're making decisions now um, to kind of collect quarterbacks a little bit more than they have in the past. Uh, and I think the idea, yeah, like kind of the Green Bay method of just you know get these guys in here, develop them. Maybe they can show you something, and then eventually you could flip them for something. You know, and it's it, it's just a a valuable asset, you know, to have uh, on your roster and, and one that, you know, it's it's a luxury, I think, depending on, um, you know, how things hash out with the uh, uh, with the roster. But, you know, it, it's one of those it's one of those things where you, you could very likely, uh, you know, down the road, if, if this guy develops, flip him for a second round pick or, you know, if he really develops, flip him for something more. So I love it because I think that. You know, it's it's a gamble worth having, especially at a position like you know the quarterback. And with Dak, you know, I think, you know, coming in pretty soon to the his contract situation, we're going to start talking about it. Uh, having another guy on the roster, uh, I don't know how much leverage it gives you, but at least it gives you something else in the roster to just say, hey, uh, what would happen if we had to walk away if, if Dak isn't the situation? It gives you more options in house. Uh, someone that already knows your system to uh, kind of help make that decision. And the one thing that I, I know it sounds weird to make a, a selection for practice, but uh, we have seen time and time again that bad quarterbacks in training camp can just ruin practices. It can ruin receivers' development. Uh, it doesn't help the defense when you have terrible quarterback play. And if Mike 
white can at least be a good camp arm, hey, at least you got value out of it. You, you can speak for this. How many times have you seen terrible quarterback play at camp when you've been there? Well, if you want to talk about the coach, uh, the, the quarterback coach specifically, when he <laughs> when he was out there, I mean... That's I, why he's a quarterback coach I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many reps that guy ruined. I, I've personally watched wide receivers hang their head as they were waiting for the ball to get to them. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a solid point, and it's not maybe not something that uh, fans necessarily want to hear, but I think it's it's legit. I think that you know having uh, a quarterback who can help facilitate y- your practice squad and or practices is super super important, and uh, that's obviously not the only reason that they drafted this guy, but it's just sure, adds more value uh, as to why you would draft a quarterback. Yeah, and it gives you a more a, a more adequate scout team quarterback. Absolutely. So when you're preparing during the week, you get somebody that can at least uh, function. And we, um, as we right. as we know from All or Nothing, Jason Garrett does not like it when the scout team doesn't <laughs> uh, practice the way he expects them to. Well, see, now I'm only on episode four. Now you ruined the whole thing. That's no, all right. Um, <laughs> moving on to round six, uh, the Cowboys traded their first uh, – uh, Six-round pick selection for Tavon Austin. Uh, at pick 193, the Cowboys took linebacker Chris Covington of Indiana. Uh, going into the draft, they did not have much background information on Covington. Uh, I did watch him this week. Um, he's a guy that's always around the ball, doesn't have elite athleticism. He's not a guy that's going to run sideline to sideline. Uh, I think he's a guy that you feel comfortable if he has to play in the game that he's not going to get exposed um, I, I think he's probably just going to be a special teams guy uh, in the first couple years of his career. Uh, maybe he, they develop him to be there, you know, Anthony Hitchens, because if we remember correctly with Hitchens, it didn't start out quickly with him. It really started to click in year four. Um, very similar athletes, kind of similar play style. Both can operate as Mike or Will linebackers. Um, I was actually a, a fan of the pick after I went back and watched. Um, have you got a chance to see Chris Covington at all? Just the very briefest video, so I don't know a ton about him, but what I can tell you is that likely, yeah, Hitchens and or Kyle Wilbur is is the kind of role that I think we should be eyeballing here. You know, the the special teams uh, guy that you can throw out there to give you some snaps if someone's hurt, but isn't and isn't going to kill you, but you don't necessarily you know want getting more than 10 snaps a game you know so or 10 snaps in any one game so uh i I think this is a guy that he's you know gonna if he makes the team he makes the the roster as a uh special team guy playing all the coverages and, and and maybe some more and then you know maybe your emergency uh sam and mike uh you know as needed and moving on to the Cowboys' uh, third six-round pick was uh, wide receiver Cedric Wilson, the second receiver that the Cowboys drafted. Uh, it was also the second player from Boise State that the Cowboys drafted in this one. Um, I, I'm i not a huge fan of Wilson. Uh, I had a fifth-round grade on him, but, hey, this is a guy that you got late in the sixth round. Uh, I think this is good value. Uh, Wilson was incredibly productive at Boise State, back-to-back seasons of uh, over 1,000 yards. Um, what I found most impressive about Wilson was two different things over the course of his career, averaged 19 yards a catch. Um, and he has the ability to play on special teams as a kick returner, punt returner. Um, to me, that means I, I kind of wonder if he is going to be in competition or direct competition with, uh, Deontay Thompson as that guy that kind of brings the speed element to the Cowboys. Uh, while Wilson doesn't have blazing speed, uh, his best work does come down the field. 
uh, making big plays. He seems like he's a pretty good route runner. Needs to improve on his ability to win off the uh, off the line of scrimmage against press coverage. Sometimes he can get rerouted. Uh, but I, I like his ability to win down the field. Um, he needs to improve as a route runner, but I think that's a guy that is certainly good enough to make an NFL roster. And it's going to be an interesting battle between Cedric Wilson, Deontay Thompson, Noah Brown for that kind of last receiver spot. So tell us what you thought about Cedric Wilson. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of one of these um, more of a uh, route. He's a, he's a route runner deep threat, I guess is the best way to describe it. You know, he doesn't have the kind yes. of elite blazing speed, but he has uh, – you know, kind of savvy to take advantage of defensive backs making, uh, you know, false steps in his stem or, or in, you know, in, in his initial part of his route. I think that there's times when um, he, you know, he, I don't think he's as physical as you'd like to see at the point of attack. I think, you know, he, and I, and I think it's a good point that you mentioned Thompson because I, I think they are very similar where the, you know, except for Thompson uses speed. You know, like Thompson has speed and yeah, he uses absolutely. it. This guy, he does it a different way, but the way he's the way he's trying to win is similar. So, I mean, not the way he's trying to, but what he's trying to do is similar. And he uses it by using subtle moves. He has uh, really long arms, uh, and I think that you know he's not a big guy. I, mean, I think he's um, he's shorter than six two. I think, but I, you know he's yeah it, he's like one hundred ninety eight pounds. So he, he's kind of thin too. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing to watch, really, because he's you know like you you think that of these deep speed guys, these deep threat guys as you know either short small guys who just blaze past everybody, or these big guys that just can get down the field with everyone and then use their size to body corners one to one. He doesn't really do either of those. He's he's kind of smaller, but he's not necessarily fast. He just relies on his savvy and his you know initial you know sp- you know burst off the line to try to win early and then just uh hope that he can stride past you uh and use those long arms to catch the balls uh, as they go over his head i i think you know this is a guy who uh i wouldn't be surprised if you know i, I this is this is to me a a a, a dice roll you know i i, I think whether sure. you know whether he i think it's dif- difficult to kind of project his skill set into the NFL because I don't know like I said I feel like he takes advantages takes advantages of deep defensive backs who you know like he'll fool into false steps is he going to be able to do that in the NFL I don't know like I don't know if that will still work in the NFL and he doesn't have the requisite speed to like make up for that so if he doesn't fool him you know early then I don't know that it's it's going to work out for him so it'll be interesting to see and if it doesn't work out you know I mean it's a you know it was a six-round pick so just one real quick uh, note: his his top mock draftable comparison is Antonio Bryant, Whoa. former Cowboy receiver. Good yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. kind of interesting. Um, and the final Cowboy selection in the seventh round uh, at pick two thirty six, maybe my favorite pick of the entire draft. Uh, roll Tide is uh. Bo Scarborough from Alabama. Uh, I love Scarborough. Bo Scarborough game. was uh, your have... favorite pick of this draft. <laughs> Yeah, easily oh for the value God. of it because but listen, l- let me let me lay okay, out the case. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, Scarborough, especially this part. If Scarborough had no injury history, I truly believe he would have been a top one hundred pick. But because you got him in the seventh round, I don't really worry about the injury history now because if he gets hurt, I can cut him, and it's not I'm not losing really anything. You know what I mean? So I'm getting all value here. Uh, when I watch Scarborough when he's healthy. 
man, he's tough to stop. He really reminds me a lot of LeGarrette Blunt. And I know some people don't think LeGarrette Blunt's a good running back, but if you really study Blunt's game, you can appreciate that kind of back. Uh, he runs with a lot of power. Once you get him in space, he's awfully hard to tackle. But I actually think he has pretty quiet feet. Um, his vision is pretty good. Um, he, he's a guy that I actually think you can use a little bit as a receiver. They didn't use him too much there in Alabama. But back in high school, uh, he did a lot of stuff out of the backfield in the slot out wide. Um, I think in Dallas where the Cowboys obviously want to run the football and they want to have a physical brand of football, Bo Scarborough fits in perfectly. Again, it's only only the injuries that are holding him back from being a, uh, a backup caliber running back in the NFL. Uh, I love this selection. So what did you think about uh, Bo Scarborough and try to hold back your Auburn bias? Oh, no. I, I Listen, I, I have no problem with <laughs> Alabama prospects once they're not playing for Alabama anymore. Um, I You know, look, I, I don't hate Bo Scarborough, I, and I think that it was definitely a good value pick because I, I didn't expect him to be in the seventh round. But, um, you know, I, I to me, I, I think he is likely – you know, he doesn't play at all like this guy, but in some ways, his he runs like Darren McFadden. You know, like I, I just feel like that's he's much more physical than Darren McFadden. Um, but it's then you know the other guy he reminded me of. It was, he reminded me a little bit of Demarco Murray, a little bit in the sense that no, I, he, he's, I, I think you're right. You know, like I, they need runways. I think that's yes, that, that's yes. what it is. Is that they're not burst players. Like they, they but you, if they need one cut, they if they only have to make one cut, they're fine. Yeah, like they, one they cut can't, get downhill, they can't then they're good. They can't string together moves in the backfield. Like sure, like, absolutely, like Zeke can at times. You know, and I think, yeah, like I, I think, and that's problematic at times. But I, I think that you know, if Bo and I listen for Bo's sake, like this is the best team he could have gone to, right? Like, oh, I mean, absolutely. Like this is a perfect fit for Bo. Um, I. It, is it going to be enough for him to uh, warrant a spot on the roster? Uh, I listen. I think they're going to get a ton of use out of him all throughout the off season, all throughout training camp. You know, preseason, he's going to get a ton of carries. Um, if he shows something, then you know it'll be an interesting you know debate when it comes down to the fifty-three man roster. Like how many riders, running backs, and what are we counting Tavon Austin as? And I've, you know, all these conversations will start coming up, and then suddenly you, you weigh Bo versus the the field of vet. Uh, options that are out there, so I think it might be a struggle for him to get on the roster, um, or at least you know make the team. Uh, but I, I think that I think that there's you know if he he's practice squad, that's a perfect spot for him. Yeah, I think that there's a chance that you know if he really shows out, he could be you know a guy that they keep on as that you know last running back on the roster who, who maybe is inactive. You know, so uh, sure. I, but I think that's a ceiling. You know, like I think that's probably. That's that's about as high as he's going to get this year. Maybe next year he's a little bit better, but I, I don't have huge expectations for him. But I think that at, at the very least, you're getting a guy who's going to get a ton of carries in the off season uh, and help your your top two running backs kind of stay healthy. And let me remind everybody again that Rod Smith is a free agent after the year. And other than Scarborough, they really don't have another true running back on the roster. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to use Scarborough in the preseason, see how he looks, stash him on the practice squad, and then potentially develop him to be the RB2 next year. I actually think that's a pretty good plan for both the Cowboys and for Scarborough. But uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Lennon at McCoolBTB. 
You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time.